Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? You know, uh, often think my best thinking time is normally when I'm doing something that I, just silly. You know, like um, like um, if I'm reading a book that has something silly, and all of a sudden something will pop in my head, and I'll go off on this track to think about things. And this morning it kind of happened. A lot of time it's a shower too. So I'm in the shower and all of a sudden I just start finding myself and I just laugh, having an intense conversation with God. It's just crazy. I mean, it's like all of a sudden, and I'm like, 30 minutes, I'm just like saying, okay, God. Like I'm going like, I have to preach this sermon. And sometimes I don't even feel like I really know how to do this. So, I mean, we're going back and forth. I mean, it is an intense conversation. Like, and all of a sudden I look up, I say, oh, no, I have, to, I have to go. I have to get out of here. And I just realized in that moment that um, oftentimes God never wants anyone to come up here who isn't actually really processing what God's saying to their own hearts about the things that they have to speak to someone else. And I was just thinking, God, I don't really know how to do this because oftentimes my own heart condemns me that I'm not actually not doing it that well. And this verse in this text, it's going to be one of those verses that jumps out at you. And so I just want to kind of share with you guys the fact that honestly, I'm trying to do this too. That's why I'm trying to live this out. And I know you guys have been in First John and I know John did, I think, 1 through 11 or 1 through 10, yes, last, last week. And I, would, I was thinking about 1 John chapter 3, and it's really two tests of our faith. You know, when I was in school, I hated any kind of test because I never did that well on them. I could do well in anything else, but when it came to test day, I was like, uh. <laughs> I'm not going to get everything right, and I, I would become anxious, and I would just worry, and I would know the stuff inside out, but, and sometimes I feel that way about my faith, like, I think I'm doing well, and then all of a sudden, my heart condemns me, and I get all anxious, but if you really want to know what love looks like, or I guess a test for your faith, or a test of salvation, this is the chapter. It says there are two primary tests for salvation, righteousness. In love. That's what it says. There are these things we do and we live out in action because we love God. And there's also this thing we do towards one another because we have a genuine love for God. And I tell you, folks, you can't read this chapter without true self-examination. It would be unwise for you to do that. It would be dangerous for you not to say, in righteousness, 
That means actively living up my faith, not positionally. I know positionally we're in Christ when we make that, but how we prove that we're positionally in Christ is through obedience of truth and love. And if you want to read 1 John at all, you're going to see those three things, obedience, truth, and love. That's like the big thing in this whole book. So I just want to give you a little background. We know that righteousness is is acting out because of love. The motivation is God, and so because we love him, we live righteously. That means we fight sin. We become convicted. You know, it won't mean that we won't sin, but how we view sin is drastically different than when we didn't know him. How we respond to it is different. What it does to our insight is different. And then we try to live out a new reality because of what he has done for us. And then we get to the second part about love, and that's what I want to read to you. We're going to just read 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 24, and then we'll jump in. 1 John 3, 11 through 24. I'll just do it on here. It's a little easier. I don't have to try to hold two things. It says this. Starting verse 11, 1 John 3, verse 11. For this is a message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his, his brother? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers, sisters, whatever you want to say. We love. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the, the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because he keeps his commandments and do because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given so if you read that, you say, it seems like this is double talk going on. It's really not. 
It's quite simplistic. I call this simplicity on the far side of complexity. One of the tests of your faith is do you love your brothers? Do you love others? Do you actually have a genuine love for other people? That's a test. It's interesting how he lays it out. John, I think it's a master of laying out simplicity in the midst of complexity. So he starts off. I'm going to go to my notes now or it won't be good. He starts off. This is going to be interesting. He said, for this is the message we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then he gives two examples. He gives the example of Cain, who is a negative example, and then the example of Christ, which would be a positive example. I love how he lays it out, though. He says, Cain was of the devil. Why? Because of hate in his heart. That hate manifested itself in murder. And it's very interesting, honestly, if you think about it, hate in a murder in and of itself is an act, but what it stems from is an attitude, an attitude of the heart. No one would ever murder someone, and this is premeditated murder. I'm not talking about someone who accidentally takes a life. I'm talking about a premeditated murder. No one can do that if their heart is loved towards that person. It's not possible. So he gives us this example of Cain. He said, honestly, Cain had a real problem. And if you go to Genesis 4, 2, 9, you see this story. God kind of saying Cain is upset because he brings a sacrifice and God doesn't accept it. And Abel brings one and God accepts it. And Cain is upset and God says, why are you upset? Just do what's right. Bring it a, a, a sacrifice that is true. Worship me in truth. Love me. But you're, that's not your sacrifice, Cain. And then Cain goes and gets Abel and says, let's go out to the field. And there he murders him. Because of his heart was jealous and envious of Abel's sacrifice where God said, yes, I accept it. And Cain's heart became extremely jealous and angry, which led to an action of murder. But God honestly saying, that's the example. It said, do not be like Cain. Why, why use that example? There's so many easier examples if you want to talk about not loving. But this seems extreme, doesn't it, God? I'm not going to murder anyone. That's not in my heart. So we start to think that just because we don't have an act, we actually have a good heart. And there's nothing further from the truth. You can be someone who never does an act and still not love. And it's devastating because the Bible says if you do not love your brother, God does not abide in you. It's a fascinating statement. And it's also one you cannot miss as a believer. You have to check your heart. So he said, don't be like Cain. That's exactly what God is warning us, that there is this attitude in us that even if we don't do the act, 
He didn't say don't do the thing Cain did. He said don't be like Cain. Don't have this heart that gets envious and jealous when you see someone else living right. You become so angry that you could do this horrible act because that's a heart of hate and not love. So that's what he takes us through. And then he says, but I want you to be like Jesus. I love this part of the story. He moves pretty quickly, and let's look at verses 16 to 18 one more time. I want you to really catch this. By this we know, by this we know love. By what? That Jesus Christ in action showed what his heart had towards us. He laid down his life for us. There was something in his heart towards us that he says, I will give everything for them. I love them so much. I will cease. No, not cease. Bad theology. Really bad theology. I will veil my glory. I will leave my eternal throne. I will cease having all the angels around me every second of the day worshiping me. I will leave my comfort zone with the Father and the Spirit, and I will come. I will be born in the least of manners. I will leave glory for dirt in a cradle. I will give it all up. I will live sacrificially. I do not come to condemn but to save. I will give up my life in the very worst way. I will be mocked. I'll be made fun of, I'll be beaten, I'll be spit on. I will be put in the ground. He who created all things will be put in the ground, laid to rest, and then I will conquer their biggest enemy. And I will rise again, and I will offer to them eternal life because I love them. That's why I'm doing it. I don't need to do this. They don't fulfill me in some special way. They don't add to my glory. I'm not diminished if I don't do this. But because my very nature is love, I will live that out which is in my heart toward those that I created. And he said, be like Jesus. Look like Jesus. Act like Jesus. One true thing about loving someone, there has to be a way to demonstrate it. So Jesus says, how do I demonstrate my love to them? I'll save them. I will give them a new identity. I will take on their penalty. I will pay their, the price of their penalty. And then I will save them. Because love without action is not love at all. I could sit up here and say, I'm God, creator of all things. I love you, but you're going to die and go to hell. I'm not going to do anything about it, though. I'm just going to love you up here. And all of us, of us would say, that's not love, Don. If there's something I can do about it, I do nothing about it, that's not love. So it gives this great example. If you see a brother in need and you do nothing about it, You're not loving him. You're not loving her. That's not love. 
You know, it's funny to me how often I hear the world talking about love. And oftentimes when I hear it talking about love, I I will literally say to myself, but that's not love. I see it in marriages all the time. Well, if my wife only loved me, she would do this. And I would say, well, right now you're not loving her. Because it seems that the only thing you want is something done for you, but you don't want to do anything for her. I see it in friends. I see it in employers. I see it all the time. And I think what has happened is we have bought into a humanistic, secular worldview of what love actually looks like. And it always is focused back on us. And God is saying true love is not inward focus. It has to be outward focused. It has to be. You guys, we can do it like the world does it. We can actually do it what the Bible calls us to. But John gives stark warnings. He says, actually, if you're not living it out, it's actually not love. So I have a question. This is actually a real question. Then, if that's true, and you look at your own life, are you a loving person? What is your whole life about you? Do you love sacrificially your brothers? God also told us to love the world unconditionally. You guys, I'm sick and tired of politics dividing us. Or people who live different lifestyle. I can't believe it. I'm just, I'm just going to treat them like they're dirt. Well, God doesn't invite in you if you do that. It doesn't matter if they have a lifestyle you hate. You have to love them. Tolerance and love are actually different things, by the way. Do you know that? In the Bible, there are normally, we talk about three, but there's actually four type of Greek, Greek loves that the Bible refers to. Majority three. Agape love, unconditional, right? Phileos, what's that? Friendship love. Eros, <laughs> sexual or erotic love that you should have towards your husband or wife. Hopefully of the opposite sex, actually. Biblically, it has to be of the opposite sex. Or it's not. It could still be erotic, but it's not proper. <laughs> and Sergei, a familiar love. A familiar love. And that familiar love when the accident said they had everything in common. They got together, they met together, they enjoyed one another. That was a Sergei love. They're familiar. They loved being together. They loved. To, and what came out of that? When they saw a need, they sold things. They went and they met the need. And if you define love in any other way, you're not defining it biblically. I don't see anywhere where it says Oh, think about me first. Christ often told us to put others before we think, think more highly of others than we think of ourselves. And I know this isn't new to you guys. I know you know this truth. Our problem is, my problem is, I often choose not to live it out. And John answers that. 
He said, but when your heart condemned you, God is greater than your heart. And what does he do? He said, if you have made this commitment to Jesus Christ, if you have given your life to him, even though sometimes you fell in this, God's greater than that. So he's given us assurance there. He's saying God isn't going to unlove you because you mess up. But I tell you guys, if there is not a consistent pattern in your life that you actually are loving sacrificially to others, you have to ask this question. When I prayed that prayer, did I truly mean it? When I gave my life to Jesus, and are there no signs or evidence of my faith? especially in the area of righteousness or, i.e., obedience and love. These are the two tests. He said, these are the tests of your faith, righteousness or obedience and love towards your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and even towards your strangers and neighbors. Remember the story when Christ said, when you fed me, you fed me when I was this and that. And they said, when did we do that? And he said, when you did it to the least of these People you didn't even know. We love the story of the Good Samaritan. That's awesome. That's just love acted out. That's what we do. And if we don't do that, there's a serious problem with either, first and foremost, a salvation. You may not be saved. Or two, your obedience. You may be hard-hearted and stubborn-headed. And God will break that. Or he'll take you home. So you have to decide. I know every time I come here, you guys look like, oh, he's yelling at us. No, this is a conversation I had in the shower. <laughs> God was doing the same thing to me. Don, what's wrong with you? Don't preach this if you're not going to live it. Don't get up in front of these people and yell at them which I don't mean to do. I get so passionate. You should have saw me in a shower. You think I'm, you guys would literally think I'm insane. I was saying, well, God, I do that. And he said, what is wrong with you? And I was getting, like, animated. Like I said, yes, I do do that. And God says, yeah, but you have so far to go. Well, God, other people have further to go. And now that's arrogance. And that's pride. And now you're thinking about you. So I'm just telling you guys why I'm so passionate about this. This is what we can't fail. You want to know a couple things that I think love does in the context of a local body? It brings unity. It actually destroys disunity. It brings unity. When I'm looking out for you more than myself, and everyone's doing that. Can you imagine what a church looks like that does that? Everyone say, we want to be the church of Acts. Then start loving in action. That's what they did. They were, everyone said, oh, they were so special. He even told you, he gave you the Holy Spirit, the same spirit they had. And they changed the trajectory of their community. The church infiltrated the culture so much that the culture started to say, we want to be like them in this thing called love. Why were 5,000 people added and numbers were added? I meant people were added to their numbers daily. 
Not because they have all these great buildings or cool sound systems or whatever you want. The church was added to because they loved and they lived it out in action. And everyone was talking about it. Do you know that church in East Greenville, do you know they love in action? Do you know that they forgive one another? Do you know they don't condemn people who aren't like them? Christ says, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. He said, the world's already condemned. Why do you need to tell people something that they already know? Why don't we tell them something that they don't know? That the God of all creation loves them and has come to save them and not to condemn them. A major definition is love is putting others before you. If you can just remember that, the definition of love that John's talking about is sacrificial love, putting others before yourself. So I'm asking you guys, how often in your day do you put those around you in your context that God has put in your life before yourself? So I have an assignment for you. I do this a lot at Off the Wall. I say, okay, we're going to practice this. I would say, well, isn't that kind of false when you practice something? How many of you guys have ever played an instrument? When did you get good? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> like, you guys ever hear me sing? I'm not good. Want well, to know why? Not because I don't practice. I practice all the time. I don't have the gifts. But you have no excuse because you have the gifts. And you have the ability to practice. Practicing doesn't make it false. It just makes it better. So when's the last time you practiced sacrificial love? Ask yourself. You know, if you really want to sum this up, there's a couple things that John does here. First, he said, this is how we know. In verse 19, he said, this is how we know. Let's go there. I love that. I love little things like that. Verse 19. By this we shall know that we are of the true and reassure our hearts before. How, how are we going to do that? We're going to love. And when we love with the right motive to put others first, our hearts won't condemn us. We know that we're not doing it for ourselves. You know the heart's a funny thing, right? What time am I supposed to be done? I never remember. Okay. So hearts are a funny thing, right? Here it is. When I was a little kid, I would do all these things, and I would do good things. But I loved candy. Any kind of candy, especially anything with chocolate and peanut butter. Could not resist it. So when I go to the store... My mom wasn't looking, and that was a long time ago, so they had penny candy. I know you guys don't know what that is now, but I do. Penny candy. And they would have them in open containers. And every once in a while, I'd just grab some and put it in my pocket. Not knowing that my mom knew all this, and she was paying for it, thank the Lord. Well, I didn't know that. And she would say, Don, what did you take? I didn't take anything. Pull out your pocket. Pull out your, no. Well, you're either going to pull out your pocket or get a whooping. I'll take the whooping. 
even though I didn't do anything. I literally would say that. And I knew, but my heart condemned me. I knew I was wrong, but I just loved candy so much I couldn't help it. I didn't care if I was wrong. But my heart has a way of telling me no matter what, even when I wanted it, even when I wanted it and I did wrong, my heart would always tell me, Don, that's wrong. It condemned me. But actually, when I paid for the candy, you know what my heart never told me? That was wrong. It never condemned me because I did the right thing. See, your heart has a way of telling you when you're wrong. So if you're loving someone out of false motives, guess what's going to condemn you? Your heart. Now, God's greater than that, and your salvation in Jesus Christ is better than that, but your heart's never going to stop condemning you when you're wrong. It's going to tell you, you didn't really love that person. I do this all the time. Oh, I love you so much. You know what I want from Zach? Him to think I'm an awesome guy. I actually do love Zach, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But there's times when I just do it because I want anyone to think I'm awesome. That's not loving them, that's about me. And when I go home at night and I say, and this is why we have the conversation in the shower. Don, a lot of things you do, you do because you love the fact that people think you're a cool, awesome, holy, righteous guy. And I know a lot of my motivation is me. So God gets me on my knees in the shower and says, God, forgive me. I want to love with right motivations. And I don't want to do it, but keep condemning me when I do it wrong. You know what that's an evidence of, by the way? The Spirit. That's why then he said, you have the Spirit in you. It's going to keep reminding you. Another test of the faith is conviction. If you're not being convicted by sin, I can tell you, you have a conversation you need to have with the Lord. Seriously. But I tell you guys, we're called to love sacrificially. I see a brother in need. I need to figure out. God, are you laying on my heart to meet that need? And if I can't meet it alone, I need to go get some other brothers and sisters and say, hey, I can't meet this alone, but we need to meet it. That's our responsibility. You want to know why I love an Acts? It said, when they saw a need, they were a local body, right? Who knows better if it's a true need or not than those people who are walking life with people? This is why, sidebar, I'm getting off. This is why welfare can't do what the church is supposed to do. It doesn't know me, so I can trick it. I can't do that with the church, and not if I'm an active part of it. John's going to say, honestly, you're just lazy and you're not working, and we're not meeting that need because you need to go get a job. But it's when it's a genuine need, and the church needs to come alongside me, John's going to say, or someone else is going to say, And hopefully in benevolence, you do this. You examine the need. You find out if it's real. And if it's real, you said, how can we meet it? So, the test of faith, righteousness or obedience, and love lived out in action. Ask yourself, are you passing the test? 
or are you flunking it? Because honestly, guys, if you're flunking it, you first and foremost have to evaluate your salvation. And secondly, you have to evaluate the hardness of your heart. We don't get a choice in this. This isn't ours. This is God's. And we don't get to mess it up and live like we're doing it right. We aren't if we're not doing these things. So I want to encourage you. The band's going to come back up. I think I'm supposed to be done. Now, I never know when I'm supposed to be done. At my church, when I'm supposed to be done, they put 10 minutes up. And if I go over that, they just look at me with a glare. Like, shut up, stop talking, and get done. I just want to tell you guys honestly. And another thing, just so you guys know, I tell you guys this a lot. I'm not really a theologian by any means. I don't even love theology. I love Jesus. So I'm not trying to lay out this theological essay for you. I have no desire for that. I want you to simply know what you're supposed to do with a text. Now, if you want to go next level and you want to study deeply, they have things called universities for that and online courses and hopefully your second hour. But in proclamation of the word when it comes to preaching, my job is to inspire you to do what God has asked you to do. I can't fail to do that, so I'm telling you with all my heart, you've got to get these two things right. You can't mess this up. Obedience is required, and love is demanded. And if you aren't doing that, there's a serious issue with your faith. You should be concerned about your salvation. And you should be fearful because God will deal with you if you don't change. I love you guys, but you are called to live differently so that God may be glorified and the world may be saved. Can I pray for us? God, you're good. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you've called us to love our brothers with action. And in truth, God, we don't get to say we're loving when we're not. That's a lie, and we can't do that. We won't get to say we love and don't do anything. We won't get to say we're obedient while we're disobedient. We won't get to do that. But God, we thank you that you're faithful, and sometimes our hearts will condemn us, and it will be truthful, and other times our hearts will condemn us, and it will be telling us a lie. So God, help us discern the truth. But when it's truthful, God, help us repent and turn around. And when it's a lie, would you speak louder than our hearts? But God, help us to love our brothers and sisters in action and in truth. God, we'll give you all the glory. And we'll watch you do something in a church that will transform the landscape of the community that it, is, it finds itself. So we love you, God. Because you first loved us. Would you manifest your love in us? God, by how we live our lives. I pray in Jesus' name.